0: hey this is Kevin Weatherby say the cowboy I want you to tow that stirrup throw a leg over the cannel, take a deep seat and pull your hat down tight I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God come on what you waiting on let's go
1: all right good morning thanks for coming this morning what a good crowd I didn't expect this with the with the time change good job. Uh, Appreciate everybody coming today, a little nicer weather today than we had last week, uh, but it sounds like the the big storm's coming this week, so get prepared. And that's always the theme, right? And on Sundays, get prepared for the week, because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, um, before I start, we we do have beef available, so if anybody's in need, uh, make sure you uh, let us know, and, and we'll help them out. If you're in need, we'll help you out. But if you know of somebody who needs beef, uh, please get them some. So I was talking this week to a, to a lady, and <clears throat> I'm trying to get some horses lined up for the summer to ride. And cause with this weather, it just hasn't been really conducive to doing much. So I'm already behind for the summer. But uh, I was talking to a lady that wanted me to ride her horse uh, for a while. And, and uh, we were talking about some of the issues she was having, and, and she just said, well, I'm just not a trainer, so I can't do any of this. And, and I said, "Well, uh, yes, you are." I said, "Because anytime you're around your horse, you're training them. Anytime that you're in their vicinity, uh, you're training your horse. Whether you're riding them, or leading them, or or just standing off, whether you're feeding them, because because uh, they are aware of your presence, and they they are responding to you in a way, and and that's training. So if if." Uh, you know, if you're feeding them and they're laying their ears back at you and you walk away, you've just trained them to do that. And you didn't even know it. I said, So you are a trainer. Maybe maybe you're not as good a trainer as what you want to be, but you are a trainer. And I said, You gotta start viewing yourself that way. Um because you know, a lot of times that's the excuse. Well, I'm not a trainer, so this is why my horse is bad. And it and it's it's not you know, it's not a viable excuse. We all we just have to get better in at, at dealing with our horses. And so it's funny because this week I also heard the same exact excuse about Christianity. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, trained in Christianity, so I can't serve. Um, well, that's not an excuse either, okay? Because because uh, that's my topic today is, is is getting trained up in Christianity. And, and how do we do that? Um, just like if we're in the presence of our horse, we're training them if we're in the presence of God, we're getting trained, believe me, okay, have you ever, have you felt, has anybody this week felt like God was training on them a little bit, you know, yeah, big time, I, I uh, had, uh, you know, kind of a sad week, my neighbor passed away yesterday morning, and he's been, he's had cancer for a while, and, and, uh, but I got, it was such a blessing to be able to sit up with him a couple nights ago, and, and, you know, be able to just, he he was kind of incoherent in and out, but uh, I knew he could hear me because every time I'd say something that I felt was profound, he'd kind of open his eyes. I'm like, you're, you know, one thing he couldn't do is he couldn't tell me to leave. I had a captive audience. And, and, uh, and, uh, but uh, I think back on just a few years ago, I couldn't and wouldn't have done that. Uh, Wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to sit there with him and and talk to him about Jesus and, and just talk to him about things because, uh, I'm not sure he was a believer. Pretty sure now, because when I when I said, uh, you know, he, he let me pray over him and 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 I held his hand. I said, Wayne, I'm going to see you again. And he said, on the other side. And so, uh, when I think about being trained up in in Christianity, you know. I want to read 1 Timothy 4, 7. It says, Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. (coughs) So God has a plan for us, and and it says here, uh, this is going to promise benefits in this life and in the life to come. So obviously, you know, we, we don't have to we don't have to um, be great servants to 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 get into the kingdom of heaven. We don't. We just have to believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and, and, and we're good to go. But but the benefits that are here on earth are dependent upon us uh, on how well we're trained to to do God's work and. Uh, God has big plans for each and every one of us, and I was reading in a in a book that Kevin got me yesterday. Um, in the, In the author was just talking about being present, and 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 if we're if we're not present in these situations, we won't ever see them. and And he was talking about getting ready, and because he said he said it doesn't matter if you've never done anything great for God in your life. Um, a lot of people are sitting there. Well, I've never done anything great for God, and and and. You know he's never used me, and but that moment could be the next moment. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. And so we have to be prepared for that, and we have to be ready. Which means we have to be trained up to do that. And just like if we, you know, if, if we're if the only training we're getting during the week is is this hour, uh, it's probably not going to be enough to be ready for when God needs to use us. And and if we just keep telling him no all the time, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not. No, I don't want to do that. No pretty soon he just moves on says okay i'm going to find someone who's who's willing to do my work and we we've lost out on a huge blessing we've lost out on a huge opportunity to uh, to have that what it says here uh, the benefits in this life okay so my goal here for this for a while has been trying to be more present, okay? Be more present for my family, but also be more present for God. Be in his presence and and not have those days where, you know, you went to bed that night and said, oh, I forgot to think about God today. I forgot to pray. I forgot to do this. Uh, I'm trying to get more to where I'm present all the time with him to where, just like with that horse, when they're present with you, you're training on them. If, if you're in God's presence all the time, he has the opportunity to train on us all day long. And that's how we're going to Grow and that's how we're going to get better. Okay, and I've had some horses come into my place that that uh, you know I always you always kind of assess them, and and some of them just aren't very trainable. Okay, they just don't want to they just don't want to take what you're offering. You can offer them the best deal, and they just don't want to take it. And it seems like you go out there one day and you work with them, and you get a little progress, and the next day you go out there and you start over again, and you they just there just never seems many progress. And so my question for for all of us, and me included, is how trainable are we? You know, are, are we those kind that, that, that when God um, works with, the, with us a little bit, that sticks, and, and, and then the next day he can build on that? Or are we the kind that God works on us a little bit, and then the next day he's got to start completely back over? Do we, does he have to start over? Bless you. Does he have to start over every Monday, you know, with this? Uh, are we progressing? Are we the same, uh, at the same stage we were a year ago? Are we at the same same stage we were two years ago? Because yeah. if we're if we're not, then that means we're obviously not very very trainable. And uh, you know, I think back on on uh, David. David was uh, very had very humble beginnings. He was a, sh- a shepherd, and in, in the cowboy world, you can't get any lower than that, right? Uh, but he, he he God trained him to be a leader of men through first being a leader of sheep, for for being a caretaker of men, for, through first being a caretaker of sheep. And he had very humble beginnings, and he became a king. So it doesn't matter where you are. If you think you're, well, well I'm just too far down here on the rung to, to do great things for God. He's training on you every day, because you're going to do something great for him eventually. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> So I think it's I think we all need to assess where we are in in our Christian training and and see if if uh, first of all are we trainable and and where are we are we are we uh, are we open to that are we in the God's presence so that He can use us or are we just kind of out on the edge kind of hiding hoping that He doesn't see us and hoping that we don't have to get involved um, you know a few years ago there's no way I'd have been up here talking to you uh, about anything much less about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So so I'm a living testament that he can take very little and and raise it up into something, okay? So that's my hope for all of us that we can that we can get uh get trainable for God. I'm, I'm going to pray. Thank you so much for this morning and and all these people who got up early today to come and hear your word, Lord, and come and uh, praise you and worship you and fellowship with each other. I just want to pray for the soul of my neighbor, Wayne, and, and, and all those who have passed, that, that, uh, that, Lord, that they would find salvation in you and, and that are in heaven with you living in, in glory right now. Just ask that you be with Kevin and on all those who lead in the church, that it, you'd keep them fresh and you'd keep them uh, motivated and keep the faith in them. Uh, pray for all those who are sick and hurting, that you'd be with them and have your healing hand upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>
0: Great job! I'm trying. I'm trying. Good morning, everybody. To the Cowboys. <laughs> it's the Cowboy Crew this morning. That's the early service. That's what I call y'all, Cowboys. So anyway, good to see y'all here this morning. Uh, as Ty said, we got some weather coming in, so we thank God in advance for the moisture and stay safe out there. Seriously, stay safe. You know, <laughs> nothing is <laughs> nothing is worth it. Of of not taking your time and uh, taking too many chances. So anyway, uh, welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints. You hear me say it every single week. I will pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. You know, we're here to love on each other, to follow, to follow God. And, and my, I feel that my job is to help you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not through me. Not through Save the Cowboy. It doesn't have anything to do with Save the Cowboy. It has to do with you and your personal relationship with God, okay? And uh, one of the ways we do that is through our lives, through our Christian lives. And, you know, uh, me and Ty and, and and Daniel and Gary and, you know, Jason and Andy and Stephen and all of those that, that that help with Save the Cowboy, it's nobody's job to be a Christian for you, Okay. It's your responsibility and we're here to help you with that. Uh, One of the Bible verses, they're actually about three verses apart, two or three verses apart, but it says that we should share each other's burden, but carry your own load. Okay. That's what we're here to do. Share each other's burden, but you've got to carry your own load. In cowboy talk, what that means is you've got to ride your own Bronx. Now we can be there to snub for you or, or to help you out or to lift you up or sometimes set you back in the saddle. Okay, But you've got to ride your own bronx, but you ain't got to do it by yourself. You're not alone. We are here for you, and we love you. Turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. One of uh, my favorite things in the world, um, uh, probably my number one movie. I know some of y'all will probably think this is blasphemy, but my number one movie is not Lonesome Dove. Okay, It comes in about fourth or fifth. Okay, um, my favorite movie is Tombstone. And uh, th- there's, there's nothing better than the gunfight at the OK Corral in you know, with Doc Holliday on the scattergun. I mean, it just, it, does it get any cooler than that, you know, of, of those guys walking down there to, uh, to confront the cowboys, Ike Clanton and, you know, all of these other guys that are breaking the law. There, there's just, there. there's nothing better than that than that scene right there. You know what else I love? I love watching horsemen. I'm not talking about cowboys. And no offense, because I fall into that category. I don't fall into the horseman category. I love watching horsemen, not cowboys. No offense, not y'all trail riders, not your team ropers, not your pin sorters, not you you know... that's fine. You can do whatever you want, but that's not what I, I don't even love to watch any of those. What I love to watch is a horseman. I love to watch a horseman and what he can do. And I'm not talking about somebody that can start a horse. I'm talking about somebody that can start one. and, And I don't think there's ever a such thing. And I don't think any horseman will ever disagree with me that there's no such thing as a finished horse, but somebody that can take one and I mean, if you've ever watched one of those, uh, it's like a dance. I mean, they, it, they don't even like, it's like there's a mental connection more than a body connection. You know, a, a, a horseman will be out there and man, if that horse needs to go sideways, it goes sideways, back, frontwards and everything versus, you know, me like trying to pull Fiona around and everything. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm not a horseman. Okay, I'm just not a horseman. But what in the world does Tombstone and the gunfight at the OK Corral and watching horsemen work? What two things, or what thing, do those two things have in common? What they have in common is found in James chapter 3, verse 18, where James says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. <laughs> I understand. You're like, I still don't understand what the okay corral and watching a horseman work have in common. Both are peacemakers. Both are peacemakers. And you know what my definition of a peacemaker is? Is somebody that knows when to pick a fight. Somebody that knows When to pick a fight in the context of peacemakers, they know when to pick a fight to ensure peace. That is the goal. Peace is the goal. Not proving your right, not proving your superiority, not proving anything, but only striving for one thing. And that is peace. That's what a peacemaker does. Peacekeepers will avoid a fight in order to pretend there is peace. Listen to that again. Peacemakers know when to pick a fight to ensure peace, but peacekeepers, which is the opposite of peacemaker, peacekeepers will avoid conflict in order to pretend that there is peace. You know, when Virgil, Wyatt, and Morgan, and Doc Walk down the street to confront the cowboys in the movie Tombstone. <laughs> they don't do it to prove a point. They want peace. There, there, there's a stipulation because of all the violence and all the bloodshed and everything. It has reached a point that they say, you know what, when you're in town, you can't have loaded weapons. And everybody's abiding by it, but these guys come in and they're drunk, they're hung over and they've got guns and they're not going by it. And Virgil says, man, we got to go down there and stop them. And Wyatt's like, just let them get over it. It'll be okay. You know, Virgil, I mean, Wyatt is actually trying to be the peacekeeper. He's like, let's avoid the conflict. We don't want anybody getting hurt. And Virgil is like, no, right is right. And then the loyalty of his two brothers and Doc show up. They go down there to pick a fight, not to cause violence, but to ensure peace. In the horse world, the difference in a rider and a horseman is that a horseman knows when to pick a fight. See, a lot of times I, I, I really don't know. You know, you, you watch a really good horseman. If the horse starts doing something that it's not supposed to, they'll know why it's doing it. Sometimes it's because the horse is unprepared. Sometimes it may be because the horse is hurt. Sometimes it may be because the horse is scared. Sometimes it might be the horse is acting up because she's a gray mare. A horseman knows the difference, okay? A horseman knows the difference. All I know is she's a gray mare, okay? But a horseman knows when to pick a fight. I mean, one of the greatest horsemen that I personally know and he would probably never call himself that. Is Ty. You ride with Ty and you're riding along and everything's going good. And then Ty is in a knockdown dragout over here with his horse because it didn't do something that he knows it should do. But other times I've seen a horse act plumb silly with Ty on his back and he's just as calm and just reassuring because he knows why the horse is doing it. They know when to pick a fight. That is the difference between a peacekeeper and a a peacemaker. James chapter three, verse 18, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Or maybe another way we could say that is good living. But whenever I talk about picking a fight, if I said about picking a fight, most of us automatically assume that we're talking about with somebody else. When it comes to peacemaking, I'm not talking about starting a fight with somebody else. I'm not talking about loading up your own version of, of you know a scatter gun and going down to confront the cowboys down the long dark alley, okay? When I talk about picking a fight, the one that we need to learn to pick a fight with watches you brush your teeth in the mornings. Watches you comb your hair. It's that one that lives inside of us that causes all the problems. It's our sinful nature. We, as peacemakers, and if you are a follower of God, you are commanded to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And too much these days, there are Christians just trying to keep the peace instead of make the peace. And they're not, they don't have the guts or any other word that fits your way of thinking to pick a fight with themselves and get some stuff straight. See, verse 18 is the last verse of James chapter three. James chapter three is not a long, ver- a long chapter. It's 18 verses. And the very last verse says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you know that's the only time is in the very last verse that peacemakers is ever even mentioned. It's like James is talking about stuff and talking about stuff and talking about stuff. And then all of a sudden you realize that all along he's been talking about how to be a peacemaker. And in verses 1 through 12, we actually talked about it last week, is he talks about controlling the tongue. He doesn't talk about controlling somebody else's tongue. He talks about you controlling your tongue and what you say. Verses one through twelve has only to do with controlling your tongue. He says that it's that, that that little muscle in our mouth has the power to build up or destroy. It's a it's like a spark that can start a forest fire or reap a harvest of righteousness. Verses one through twelve have to do with controlling the tongue. Verses 13 through 17, which is all but the last verse, have to do with wisdom. And when you put all of this together, James is telling us how to be peacemakers and how we can pick a fight with ourselves to become who God has called us to be, to follow his way, to follow his trail, to do things the way God says to do them. But our fight isn't against or with others. It's with ourselves. It starts in here. It doesn't start with, with you know, me against Ty or even me with Ty. It starts within ourselves. A good horseman will tell you that controlling a horse is easier than controlling yourself, which you must do the latter before you can do the former. If you can't control yourself, you'll never be able to finish that horse. Standing up to Ike Clanton is easy compared to standing up to yourself. So how do we begin the peacemaking process? Well, James, the half-brother of Jesus, says that wisdom is the foundation of peacemaking. In James chapter 3 verse 13, we're going to jump back 8 verses from 18 13, James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom is the foundation to peacemaking. And he gives one, two, three, four, five things right there that we need to lay the foundation of wisdom. First one he says is prove it. Don't talk about it. Don't do it. That's another epidemic in Christianity is all we do is talk about things. Oh, we're going to, boy, we'll say all the right things. We'll say the right things. You know, God bless you. And, you know, we say all the right things, but we're not proving nothing except that our mouth works. James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Quit talking about it. Do it. You know what the biggest deterrent to wisdom is? Is a virus. And I have suffered with this virus for years, for all of my 23 years. I have suffered with this virus. I give you permission when you hear me do this and I'm sure I'll do it again, that you can call me out on it, but I'm gonna make the same promise back to you. You know what that virus is? It's called the I know virus. No, it's not Texas virus. <laughs> That's a vaccine against ungodliness, but I like the way you think. It's the I know virus. When, 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 when I first started learning rope, and you know, I'd get up there and Tyler would say, do this, and I was like, I know. It's like, well, then why aren't you doing it? Well, anytime somebody's trying to help you, you know, listen to it. It happens all the time. You, your mom or your dad or even your son sometimes will tell you something. And you'll be like, I know. Well, if you know it, do it. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It is. It's an epidemic, man. It, it's an epidemic. And if I hear you say, I know, I'm going to call you out on it. And if you hear me say, I know, just bite your tongue. No, not really, not really, not really. You can call me out on it too. It's a two-way street, right? It's a two-way street. (laughs) This is a little aside. I talked about, you know, you can't grow closer to God by beating yourself up. After that sermon the other day, when I come off the stage, Ty said, well, if you're not going to let me beat myself up, you're going to have to do it for me. So anyway, I'm going to beat you up (laughs) and you can beat me up too. Iron sharpens iron, right? But you've used it. I know you have. You've used it and you've heard it. Somebody's trying to help you. You like, I know. Well, I know. Well, you should just keep your mouth shut. I know. I bet I say that 14 times a week in social media when somebody acts like an idiot. My wife says, just leave it alone. I know. Oh, crap. I got to delete that. I'm horrible about it. And so I ain't trying to step on your toes, but I know. But James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. You can't prove it with the I know virus. Well, You should probably, you know, just be patient. I know, I know. You should just love them. I know, I know. You should just forgive them. I know, I know. Prove it. It's the foundation of peacemaking. The second thing James says, if you're wise and understanding God's ways, prove it. By living an honorable life. You know, you can tell a lot about a man's reputation by the way others look at him. You can tell a lot about a man's reputation by the way others look at him. You can tell a lot about a man's integrity by the way he looks at himself. Think about that. See, reputation is bestowed upon you by others. That's not honor. Honor is integrity. It's about earning respect. See, we should do the right thing. It doesn't matter if somebody sees it or not. We should live honorable lives. But you know what? You probably don't, and neither do I. But that doesn't mean that we can't change that. Do the right thing, prove it, is what James says. We should live an honorable life. And it starts with integrity. Who cares if somebody's watching? Do the right thing. Who cares if somebody's going to know? Do the right thing. Who cares if you get a tax deduction? Do the right thing. And I'm guilty of all of those things. As probably are you. But we are supposed to live an honorable life. We should honor God with every stinking thing that we do. And how do we do that? James says, if you're wise in understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works. Doing good works. Somebody said, what what does doing good works mean? Let me try to put this in cowboy talk. Be a good freaking human, okay? It's not that difficult to comprehend. Just be a good person. And I'm not saying that being a good person gets you to heaven. It doesn't, but it is showing what you have been given, that you appreciate the grace and the mercy that God has shown you and you're willing to show it to others. Good works are when we're not focused on number one, but be willing to put ourselves number two. There was a pretty big deal years and years ago where all the rodeo guys and and, and other prominent people, they came out with the, I am second, I am second. I am second, God is first. God and others are first. I am second. That's what you got to, that's the type of attitude you have to have if you're going to do good works. It's not all about feeding the homeless though, okay? It's not, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a good work. That, that, that is good work. Taking care of others, that is good work. But we should strive to do good works every single day, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's our day off. We have the opportunity to do good works every single minute of every single day. And if you're like, well, I don't know how to do it, then memorize Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. You wanna do good works, do those things every single minute of every single day. It'll change your life and it'll change the lives of those around us. And the reason it hasn't changed your life and the reason it hasn't changed the lives of the people around you is because you ain't picked a fight with yourself. You're just trying to make it. You're just trying to keep things calm, right? But there comes a time when you've got to load up the scatter gun and have a one-on-one with yourself to quit being a peacekeeper and start being a peacemaker. The fourth thing that James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility, with the humility. See, humility is the horsepower of God. It's also the shield of God. Humility can solve 90% of your problems. But see, there's a big old bad Johnny Ringo that lives inside of you. It's called ego and pride. And one day you're going to have to meet him underneath a tree. You're going to have to pick a fight. And the only way you can win is with humility. This is how powerful humility is. I'm not saying that we can ever get there 100% because a lot of this is reserved for heaven because this is not heaven. This is not heaven. Perfection waits on those who follow perfection. But you know what humility can do? keep you from getting your feelings hurt. You know what the only thing, you know what that is, getting your feelings hurt? The only thing that can get hurt is pride and ego. They're like a raw nerve sticking out like a freaking hangnail that you hit on everything. That's what happens when you get your feelings hurt. And I'm the world's worst about it. But that's pride. That's what getting your feelings hurt. But you know what? You know what the antidote to that is? Humility. You can't get your feelings hurt if you're humble. I mean, even David one time, you know, I talked about David. David was the greatest warrior ever. God called him a man after his own heart. And David's walking down the street and somebody's mouthing off to him. And one, I think it was like Shema or, 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 uh, or Abadiah or or one of the other three. I don't know. Maybe it was Joab or Abner. I, well, it wasn't Abner, but anyway. So anyway, they're like, hey, you want me to cut that dude's head off for what he's saying? David's like, No. What he's saying ain't true, but that don't mean that it's not true. I might not have done that to him, but I've done that in the past. Man, let that dude alone. That's humility, man. He had the power just to say, man, shut that dude up. Somebody would have got to cut his head off. But David had humility. He's like, man, just because that guy ain't saying, you know, what he's saying isn't true at this instant, but that don't mean that it ain't true. I've made mistakes in the past. God grants me mercy. I'm going to pass it along. That's what humility will do. You never get your feelings hurt if you're humble. Same way with depression, anxiety, and fear. Depression is when our fear is concentrated on what has happened to us. Anxiety is fear about what we're scared will happen. A guy named Erwin McManus in his book called The The Way of the Warrior says that uh, fear has a direct object. Anxiety does not have a direct object. But humility can solve both of those. Trust in God. God's got this under control. There's nothing that can happen to me without God knowing what it is. Humility is never self-deprecating or self-promoting. It's only strength and peace. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking less of your self. Two different words. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, one word. Humility is thinking less of your Self, two words. It's the power and shield of God. Wisdom is the foundation of peacemaking. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And this is the fifth thing, wisdom. James tries to explain what wisdom is, not by telling us what it is, but by contrasting with what it isn't. And he spends the next three verses talking about what wisdom is not. James says in verse 14, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Selfish ambition. He didn't say that we couldn't be ambitious in life. He said, you shouldn't have selfish ambition, man. If you, if you want to be ambitious in life, be ambitious, man, rise to the top and then help others. Give glory to God. Nothing wrong with having ambition. He says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. And that's what boasting and lying does. Covers up the truth. Reveals our own weaknesses. That is not wise. In verse 15, he says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Man, people say, I just don't understand the Bible. What is there not to understand about for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom? Man, if you're jealous and selfish, man, you need to pick a fight with yourself. You need to have a one-on-one and get some stuff straightened out. You need to meet beneath an old oak tree and have a mano a mano. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Listen to this. For such things are earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. Man, that's strong, that's strong words from James right there. He just pulled both triggers of his scattergun. He's, like, he's saying that bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, lying, selfishness are earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. And then he says, but, but, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. And he'll spend the rest of the chapter explaining what wisdom is. And wisdom is the foundation of peacemaking. When Ultimately, James ends in verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. But the wisdom from above is first of all, first of all, pure. And that is where we will pick up next week. Let's pray. Father, help us to become peacemakers in this world to, to not shy away from the fight that we need to have with ourselves because there's an outlaw that lives within each of us that wants selfish ambition, is jealous, boasts. God, it just lies. Help us to walk down the dirt road of our soul and confront the very things that are holding us back from becoming the men and women you have called us to be. Thank you for sending your son to throw open the gates of heaven through his sacrifice on the cross. We trust in his good news to save our sorry souls. And it's in his name that I pray, amen. Just in case nobody has told you today, let me say it. I love you and you're not alone. No matter what you feel like, you are not alone. And I'd like to make an invitation to you, not the person sitting beside you, not the person behind you. I wanna make an invitation to you right now. I'd like to invite you on a journey of becoming who you're supposed to be, where there are no excuses and you, become, you can become more than you could ever become on your own. It's a narrow, hard trail and sissies need not apply. And I'm inviting you to join me in absolute surrender to the way of God. You do not have to answer, but I am asking, will you join me? And if you say yes, then go love others like Jesus loves you and become peacemakers. We'll see y'all next week.